I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Keys went to me! Hello, welcome to the SC Playbook BBL podcast out of round two of the Big Bash season. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Morgan's Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams, on deck to get stuck into all things Supercoach this week. Joining me for the first time this season, he's been a busy man. He's had a bit on with work, so we haven't been able to get him on the podcast yet, but he's an SC Playbook regular. He's a man with a top Supercoach BBL finish of 14th overall. He finished ninth overall in NRL Supercoach a few years back as well. He worked with the Brisbane Heat. Well, credential man, Michael Fisher. Fish, welcome to the uh, your first potty of the year. Thanks, mate. Uh, yep, appreciate the kind introduction. And yeah, given my start to this year, we'll see if I can get anywhere near those lofty heights. But um, yeah, plenty of time to go. Speaking of blokes we haven't been able to nail down this year, Tom O'Aiken, the late scratching, bloody work getting in the way of things once again. We've almost got Tomo. He's on holidays, just about, and uh, we'll hopefully get him over that Christmas New Year period for his first appearance uh, of the season. The BBL 9 champion, I'm going to say Tomo is, but we'll get him on deck soon enough. Now, Fisher, we're going to get stuck into it, and as far as I'm concerned, Supercoach BBL Round 1, it's a thing of the past. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're testing the waters, we're finding a few things out. The Kuma Stallions had an absolute bludger of a round. Could not have gone much worse if I tried. I went quite heavy on Stars players and on Renegades players. The Renegades obviously had uh, that abandoned match after just a handful of overs, so that killed me going heavy on them. The Melbourne Stars, each and every year, you just get lured in by a couple of good crickets in their side, and you just never fail to be any more disappointed in that side. Uh, mate, I'm 24,000th overall, so an absolute shocker. But we put it in the past, we move on, we look to round two. How'd your side go? Hopefully a bit better than mine. Yeah, a bit better. I had a similar issue, I think, in that I didn't have Munro, and that really hurt with the people yeah, who right. looped, VC looped. So that was the, the first big issue. But I did um, 
Captain Curran, similar to yourself, which was good to see him pick up those pretty much junk wickets at the end, thankfully. Uh, had Will Sutherland, which was really happy with. And the rest of my team was pretty solid. Um, similar to you, a lot of Renegades and Stars only had two Heat players. Mm. Uh, I, I don't, having been playing Supercoach for 10 years or whatever, I don't usually let it get to me. But when that game got called off, <laughs> I was pretty angry. <laughs> well, I can, I can take bad weather and stuff, but, you know, had not, not much else going on that night. was really looking forward to the cricket. Eight players in play or whatever it was, yeah. and then that happens. How good. And that's it, mate. It was very, very frustrating, and you just try to get it through your head. As you know, it just could have been another washout, a rain-impacted game. Same result on that. But uh, what we know about Big Bash is that it is extremely volatile. I mean, that it doesn't help when there's an abandoned match after five or six overs, but the highs and the lows are relentless in this game, far more so than, say, NRL or AFL Big Bash. And I know I've seen people out there who have had bad starts and they're panicking and they're talking about, you know, just things like going pod skippers in round two and either going super hard on strikers players or not at all or anti-podding Matty Short in round two because they're like, I'm too far behind, I need to catch up. For God's sake, do not panic. It is one round into a nine-round season. I know a lot of probably, there might have been teams like myself who, who did go a bit heavier on, say, Renegades players or Stars players, uh, and it resulted in a, in a poor first-round score. These are guys that all have the double in round three that you, you're going to be well-prepared for. You might have started with a few extra strikers on your bench. So uh, the ebbs and flows of this game, do not panic after one round. Mate, on today's show, we're going to talk about the things that we learned from round one. Obviously, such a key watch on all the roles in each side, where players bat and how many overs they got. Lots and lots to come out of that. Our deep dive into the Adelaide Strikers, who are on the double game week in round two of Supercoach BBL, and thus will be very, very popular. We're going to drop a super pod play, a play at, say, sub 5 to 10% ownerships that's caught our eye, drop our trades and skippers for round two, uh, and then jump into some listener questions at the end. Before we get into that, though, our unlimited group, Brent, in the slot, his side, second overall in Supercoach and leading, the, obviously, the SC Playbook Unlimited Group, 1,486 points. He's head of Aaron, coach of striptease, in 10th overall he is. The winner of that group, if you're a subscriber, it's 500 bucks plus a jersey. Uh, if you're not a subscriber and you win it, we'll go 250 to the top-ranked subscriber, 250 to the winner of the group. Not too late to jump into that group. Code is 863614. Uh, so, yeah, get involved and take on the contributors. Also, guys, the SC Playbook subscription package, Gives you access to our premium content, additional articles each and every round of the competition, access to our subscriber-only WhatsApp group. It has all the late mail in there, team news, the contributor-only chats where we drop our trades, our skippers for the week. A week like this where someone like Andrew or The Spy or Tomo won't be on the podcast, they'll be in there talking through what their plans are for round two uh, and plenty of other chats in there. It's It's a great little community we've got going. Now, Fish, let's get stuck into what we learned from round one. And I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of super relevant points to Supercoach. And we'll start at the Perth Scorchers. Cooper Connolly opening the batting. Bowled a couple of overs uh, for the Scorchers. Zach Crawley is due back from England international duties any day uh, and may impact that. What are your thoughts on Cooper Connolly? I started with him. I'm very happy with him. Uh, the Crawley impact is a bit concerning, but he looks the goods. Yeah, definitely. 
I think Raul could be an issue if he... Max is talking about him getting bumped down to seven, potentially. So if that happens and Agar comes back, I'd probably want to look before I put him on field again. But cash gen should be good. Good cash gen, yeah, if you own. And, and he's one that is, he's obviously such a, a talented cricketer. He's got a great role for the Scorchers. But as you said, like Agar's due back soon as well. He could easily become that sort of number six, seven batsman that may or may not get a couple of overs. I would be pretty reluctant. I'm a, I'm a very happy owner. I would be a little reluctant to buy at this stage. The other one there, mate, Sammy Whiteman, who was a big talking point of the preseason, uh, obviously with the Scorchers on that double. Worst case, if he didn't get picked, he'd be a good wicketkeeper loophole play for the season. He did not get picked. Uh <laughs> Sort of, I ended up not starting with him just because I didn't want to have too many non-active players, but a play that's going to feature for sides at some point, whether he's picked or not, because that wicketkeeper loop is a perfect exponent of that at a, at a cheap price. Yeah, yeah, I've got him and I'm happy with it. I think they do have those round four, round five buys coming up mm. anyway, so... Uh, he'll definitely be a loop play for those. But, yeah, it looks like given Crawley's coming in as another bat, can't see him getting picked anytime soon. So, yeah, decent option for anyone who's looking for a wicketkeeper loop, I think. Yeah, and one to be very cautious of uh, leading into uh, certainly your trades this week and how your team's set up. But, you know, I sort of – I've always stressed the, the importance of, of depth in your side and – it's a little bit tougher in BBL because you're wanting to have these players to access the, the auto emergency and the captaincy loopholes. But you know anyone who started with two to three stars plays in their side, they're on the buy this week. Anyone who started with Whiteman likely won't be available for them. There's another player down. If they started with Shoutery uh, for the Hurricanes as an AE loop option as well, all of a sudden your numbers are getting a little, a little concerning. So do be cautious of that. The other one there, Aaron Hardy, uh, is a bloke that I started with in my team. Batted at number three as expected. He bowled 1.1 overs in their comfortable win there. You know, happy enough with Hardy. He's got a pretty good role for a bloke of his credentials. And I think at his price, I'm going to have to move him on. But, mate, he could be right up there at the pointy end of the scores again this season. And, and the fact that he's rolling the arm over, albeit for only a couple of overs, pretty enticing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a think about whether I move him on or move Tom Curran on. Yeah. I guess the thing with Hardy is they've still got a few doubles coming up, but you'd have to hold through their back-to-back buys, and it'd be a lot of cash to be holding on your bench for that period. So at the moment, yeah, I'm probably leaning towards selling as well. Yeah, a little bit the same, mate. You could potentially hold for a week or two, but uh, those back-to-back buys looming pretty concerning. So maybe one, I've got a similar sort of decision between him and Tommy Curran and, Tommy Curran was outstanding as well. We'll get to him shortly. Uh, the last one at the Scorch is Hamish McKenzie. <sighs> really impressive, low break even. He's going to generate cash. Bold well. However, again, with Agar coming back, going over the, the bounty, the quick uh, Perth wickets with such an incredibly talented bowling lineup. I think he quoted himself that he sees himself sort of being in and out of this side this season. Is he, a, is he a bloke that you'd entertain uh, moving forward or is, is you know job security going to be a bit too much of an issue? No, I don't think I could. I mean, the only way I'd look at it in any team would be if you didn't already have any non-active players. Um, 
not talking about players that are on the buys, but if you didn't have a yeah. Wyman or a Chowdhury or anything like that, you can maybe have a look at it. But yeah, it's it's hard to do knowing who else is available and that you could be without a a play you need on field any given week. Yeah, no, no, I'm a little bit the same. It's a good point you raised that if if you do have enough depth in your side, maybe you didn't go too heavy on, say, stars this week, uh, you know, you don't have any sort of non-active players, he's one you could certainly entertain. He said there's money to be made, he's talented, and when he doesn't play, he can be used as that auto-emergency loop. Uh, but, yeah, certainly for, for most of us out there who are going to have a few non-actives this week on our bench, probably a little bit too risky for me. Moving on, oh, God, I don't want to talk with these blokes, but the Melbourne Stars, Glenn Maxwell played the first game, pretty impressive. Bold, I think it was three overs, got tonked, but took a wicket, as he always does, looked pretty good with the bat. Uh, Maxi missed out on game two. He's expected to be available for the Stars in round two. Marcus Stoinis, frustrating, very frustrating. What did you make of his role, and obviously for Supercoach purposes, because when he batted at number five in their opening game, when Maxwell was out, he went to number four. Maxi obviously had been bowling a few overs too. Stoin actually opened the bowling in their second game and bowled two overs. Bo Webster, who came in in game two for them as well, following PM's 11 duties, Webster batted at three and didn't bowl, which is a big concern for him ahead of that round three double for the Stars. Uh, but the big Stoin, I own... I am not thrilled about it. I expect him to probably go back to five when Maxi comes back, unless they do want to change up their order a little bit after a disappointing start. What do you make of Stoinis so far? Yeah, it's curious, isn't it? Because he captained in that second game. So Maxi mm. captained the first game and bowled himself three overs. Stoin captained second game and opened the bowling and bowled a couple of overs. He did, I think he opened the bowling or bowled early on for Australia in periods in... World Cup warm-up yeah, games. So he did. it's not a role he's completely unfamiliar with. And I, I really like him if he's doing that because he's a uh, good swing bowler, a good chance of early wickets. Batters are going to go after him, so it's probably not a whole lot of economy right there. But, uh, yeah, points to be had still. So, unfortunately, I think it's a wait and see. I wish I made the quick change when we saw his role on that first team list, but it's just chaotic, isn't it? Um, Game one, you're trying to work out what to do. So well done to those people who jumped off and made the switch. Um, But being an owner, probably have a look at least for round three. I don't think his break-even is massive, so can afford to have a look because he's he's so cheap. But, yeah, he's been frustrating year on year pretty much, hasn't he, since since, uh, his, his big, big one where he averaged 90 or whatever. Yeah, 96 a few years back. But look, as you said, mate, at his price, because he did start so cheap anyway, you hold on to him, you cross the fingers, there's potential there. Like certainly in game two, opening the bowling for a few overs, batting at number four, granted Maxi was out. Like the upside's so high, but far out, he needs to deliver for us. So uh, a bit of a reluctant hold for that round three double for the Stars. Hopefully the storing can turn it around a little bit because we know what he does, we know what he's capable of. Daniel Sams, two overs for the uh, for the Thunder, which was a very interesting one in their sort of heavy defeat. They're such a deep bowling attack, the Thunder. They have so, so many options. He did bat at number six, which was encouraging. 
Dan Sams, the, the Thunder who start to become a little bit relevant. They have the round four double, but they also have in round two and round three really good early games for that loophole opportunity. Now, what did you make of the two overs more than anything? Yeah, I guess his role might be changing. And I think Zaman Khan bowled the, the last over of the innings and he looks like he'll be pretty specialist in terms of death. So we may not see as much death from Dan Sams. And I feel like over the last couple of seasons in the Big Bash at least, he has struggled with the ball for periods. Um, attacks have got after him a little bit. So I wonder if they're maybe easing him back a little bit and getting him into more of a Dan Christian type role even where he's bowling a few overs and, and available for the, the tonk. I, I wouldn't go that far just yet. I think we can definitely afford to have a look before the round four buy. Um, but certainly no need to go early, which at one point looked like it could have been a decent play. It absolutely did, mate, especially with the chopping and changing and the rain in that strikers game and you sort of got a few ideas in your head. And, uh, yeah, as you said, at least we can sit back and we can have a look ahead of that round four doubler and see what his role does in tail going forward and if he does get back to that maximum four overs. At the Brisbane Heat, we'll be looking to offload players from there pretty pretty quickly, especially if you were the underwhelming ones. Sam Billings batted at number five in their second game when they third game it actually was second game they actually played. Uh, we saw McSweeney come back and bat up the order. Renshaw, so Billings at five cannot get rid of him quick enough. But you know, with the the ability to use the the wicketkeeper loop and a few different things as well, they've got the buy in round three. May survive one more week for me, but geez, I'm not happy about it. Uh, and Mitch Swepson, mate, one of the real real frustrating ones. In round one as a non-owner, he was in one of my initial draft sides in the preseason, and then uh, with Kuhneman there and you know a few spinning options, Renshaw coming back in, there were question marks over whether he'd get how many games he'd play in their triple game week. Now with the washout, it only ended up being two anyway, but he bowled terrific. He turned his form around so so quickly. He made $32,000. He goes into round two with the lowest break even at neg 70, comfortably ahead of Tanvir Sanger on neg 35. So big money to be made. Swepson owners will be very happy. Is Swepson a bloke you're looking to bring in for that cash gen fish? I'll have a think about it, but with no double coming up, he's someone mm. who you'd trade in and then you'd trade out again. So you're, you're spending two trades and he's not the probably would maybe use him in a looping type situation, maybe to cover someone who I've already emergency looped or as an emergency loop himself. So you're not going to get a whole lot of points out of him. It's, it's purely for cash gen. So look, we've only got nine rounds this season. So there's two ways to look at that. One way is that we're going to need to make as much cash as quickly as possible. Or two is, do you just, you know, run with it and just try and smash the points as, as quick as you can? Um, I, I think you'd toss him up against other options. Fraser McGurk's got a double next week, so if you don't own him, he's a pretty decent option. He's who I'm bringing in at the moment. Um, uh, I'm not against it, but I'd be mindful of spending two trades when you're effectively going to miss out on a double player because you, you're doing it. Mm, I'm thinking a very similar mould there uh, as yourself, Fish, and sort of between Fraser McGurk, McGurk, McGurk. Fraser McGurk, and uh, Swepson, and I'm leaning just towards the double next week. And 
look, you can get both of them if you want. Uh, we'll get to boost later, but I'm considering going quite hard quite early and, and using one of my two boosts for the season. But I'm leaning towards Fraser McGuirk. He just looked terrific. Um, that being said, there's no knock on anyone who does want to go Swepson, but just playing very aggressively this season due to the shorter the shorter competition. Mate, moving on to the Sydney Sixers. Curran batted at six. He bowled death in the second game for the Sixers with Sean Abbott out. In the first game when Abbott was on deck, he bowled the 17th over as his last. Really unlucky not to take a few poles in that first game. He bowled terrifically, but just could not, uh, did not get the rub of the green with the wickets there. He was excellent in the second game, bowling death for them. Uh, you're an owner. I'm an owner. He's one where he's a lot of value. There's no doubles coming up. I don't think the Sixers have another double this season. But far out, he's probably got the best role in Supercoach or not too far off it. Is he a bloke you're tempted to hold for a while? We know Andrew, uh, the dual defending champion, has spoken about these top dollar players and you've just got to cash in and more often than not and, and take you know focus on the top dollar, double round players. Uh, but if there's one you can hold, it could be Curran. Yeah, and it all always sucks when you trade out a player who comes out and tons up that mm. week and Curran's definitely got that <laughs> potential. So... I think if you can, uh, if he, if it's between him and someone else like a Nestor or someone, I'd be holding Curran. That's what I'm looking at at the moment. I until there's a better option available who is on a double. So looking at some of the Adelaide guys, it's debatable. Like whether you in a similar price range, you're looking at your Chris Lins and your, your James Basley's, Henry Thornton's, Wes Agars, who we'll we'll talk about all those later. So an option for me could be to boost to one of those guys. But is it worth doing that now or looking for someone who's maybe got a couple of doubles coming up later on in the season uh, to trade him out for, especially when you know Curran can go big uh, this game week? Yeah, very tempted to hold Curran, if only for that one more game, uh, and then just reassess, see if he can go big again for us. Jack Edwards, uh, far out. God knows what his role is going to be going forward this season. He's batting at number seven behind Tommy Curran. He bowled one over in game one for the Sixers. He went on to bowl four overs against the Hurricanes. That was with Sean Abbott out of the team, though. So you would imagine with Abbott, I believe, due back for the next Sixers game, that changes a little bit. But he bowled awesome in that second game. Two for 18 off his four overs. Uh, look, he's very cheap. He goes into round two with a break even of negative 20. Mate, there, there could be a peach roll there, but my gut feel says batting at seven, uncertainty around overs, there's probably better cash generation players to bring in than Jack Edwards. Yeah, yeah, he looked good for sure. Uh, so, you know, it'd, it'd be a eye test type punt, but they're always risky when you got players coming back and uncertainty around role. Role's just so big in BBL Supercoach. So um, that's the way I play. I'll, I'll be looking for someone who's got a more certain role. Yeah. There's a final team to touch on, the Melbourne Renegades. Jake Fraser-McGurk at number three and just absolutely firing. That, he looked immaculate. I was absolutely loving watching him uh, the other night and a bloke that I was scared not to own at the price Look, if he was 180k, I wouldn't go near him, even despite that double. But uh, as a bloke with money to be made, looking as good as he does, very tempting, Fraser McGurk. And the other one, a bloke that you owned, I did not own, unfortunately. Will Sutherland, 
batting at number seven. We saw him come out in round one, absolutely blast them around the field. He's bowling his four overs. Look, he's expensive. He'd be, what is he, 180-odd K now. $181,000, break even, neg 16. Fish, he's a bloke that I want to own. However, I already own three Renegades bowlers. I can't go to four of them. I don't think I can probably squeeze him into my team, but tell you what, he uh, he looks a good buy. Yeah. Would you consider him the same? He's not quite in the same mould, though. Like, he's an all-rounder, so I think you can argue that he can still get points and the other three can still get points. Yeah. I mean, it's a stacked batting order. They obviously get Quinton Decock coming back into it now as well. Batting at seven, I like. There's going to be plenty of opportunities for that. That twenty runs and then the twenty-one strike rate bonus, which with Sutherland coming in at that point is more often than not when he gets there going to be a high strike rate. He's not bowling at the death. He may or may not get a lot of opportunities with the bat. Uh, again, if he was a bit cheaper, I wouldn't hesitate it. But you know, like there could be games where he doesn't bat and he, he bowls his four overs and gets you know a pole. I'm. I want him, but I don't know if I need another Renegades player. Yeah, I'd just say he looks really good. So he's bowling, like he's hitting the deck hard. I'm getting Andrew, like you know, people might laugh at this, but prime Andrew Flintoff vibes. And <laughs> Fair. It's, been, it's been in the news that he will move up and down the order as needed for, I guess, power surges or to, to get, Hit, which is perfect for your, your quick twenty runs. So, look, I can I can understand not wanting to um, chase points, but yeah, it could be a bloody hard watch oh, for that double coming up again. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, it killed my side, the Renegades having that match abandoned. But at the same time, as a non-Fraser McGurk owner and as a non-Southern owner, I was sitting there going, like, thank God. Cause it, it, it you know, potentially could have got nasty if my boys didn't perform and them two went nuts again. Um, guys, if you are lucky enough to be a homeowner, but you're finding that your rates are getting into Don Bradman territory, fear not. Some of the numbers going around at the moment are pretty daunting, rightly causing a bit of a stir, but there's help available with Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCW, whether it's an investment property or the place that you're living in, the boys can run the numbers to work out how much they can save you on your home loan. Before you know it, the repayments will look a lot less like Bradman's batting numbers, far more like Glenn McGrath's. Usually it'd sting you 129 bucks, but if you mention SC Playbook, it is completely free of charge. Get in early, get in contact with them before Chrissy, take that stress away and get them down. Click the boys a message on Instagram at Pat and George underscore SCW or in give them a buzz on 02-9521-1611. No matter where in Australia you are based, email and more details of all that in the articles on our website. Now, let's get stuck into our preview of the double game week team in the Adelaide Strikers Fish. Uh, And I'm going to start straight off the bat with a question from Super Lucas. I had a shocker. Rank 20K. There's a bloke coming 24K, mate. I'd probably take that. Structure is okay, though. Thinking my move maybe to Antipod Maddie Short. Have I gone crazy? Fish, I think so. What's your take on it? Because he is a lot of money. There are a lot of spinning options in this side, depending how they want to go about it. There's Ben Menenti. 
who may or may not be the frontline spinner for them. Um, you know, Darcy Shaw, they've already said that, Gillespie said that he's capable of bowling a few overs and might do so. They might go with Cameron Boyce. So if he bats top of the order, doesn't bowl at 240k, maybe, not for me. What do you think? Yeah, I can see where he's coming from with the potential for not bowling, but Matt Short's batting has just gone to another level. So he's been picked for Australia for his, his batting, uh, his Marsh One Day Cup. Like he's, he's got runs on the board there. I, I reckon it's too early to be taking that type of risk. It, it'd be a, maybe a middle of the season to the end of the season type of risk. So I wouldn't want my season to be over round two. I'm with you, mate. I think uh, antipoding Matty Short, I, I see why people would consider it at the price, but just way too risky. Like, people are going to pay up for him. Everyone's going to captain him. If he does come out and he bowls his overs, he looks good with the bat, hits runs. It, he, he has the potential to end your season uh, in round two, especially being such a short competition. So... There's not a chance it is a risk I'd be willing to take. The Adelaide strike is predicted 11 as per Maxi Bryden heading into round one. We have, unfortunately, because that game got rained out, we don't know their lineup. It was an absolute killer. So there's a bit of a guessing game as to how this lineup will exactly go. Matty Short and Darcy Short opening the bat. Chris Lynn at three. Adam Hose at four. Thomas Kelly at five. Jamie Overton, six. Ben Menenti, seven. Nielsen, eight. And wicketkeeper, David Payne at 9, Henry Thornton 10, Wes Agar at 11. Uh, there's a few question marks around James Basley. Fitness should be good to go and play for them if picked. He could easily slot into that that um, bowling attack there and handy with the Willow as well. Cameron Boyce could get selected ahead of Ben Menenti. There are a few options for them. We're going to have to wait and see that team list. They do play in the first game, so thankfully we'll know that. Uh, and, of course, our trades will, will be you know, based around that. Let's start at the top of the order and we do go with, mate, Darcy Short, who we've spoken a fair bit about him coming into the season. I'm currently an owner, a very nervous owner, but he will open the bat. He might roll the arm over. He's $67,000. His form coming into it is pretty bloody ordinary, but he seems a pretty safe bet at the price. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I'm I'm still pretty high on him. I I've been burned by Jake Weatherall a lot in previous seasons, who's had that opening role and hasn't really delivered in double game weeks, just um, due to lack of form. So I can see some similarities there. But I think fresh start could be good for him. Uh, it's a it's a who knows situation. So it's sixty seven point five k opening the batting. The roles there. I think one other thing is if you have Matt Short, which pretty much everyone will. Him and Darcy Short, you'd expect one of them to bowl at least. So yeah. it's at least a, a little bit of insurance there. Uh, I'm happy to do it. I'll probably put him on field. I, I, I'll probably look to emergency loop a batter who's on a single and just yeah. take the double chance with Darcy. Yeah, no, I'll be doing the same, mate. No looping uh, for the strikers players this round. Chris Lynn coming in at number three, $167,000. I was going to say an extremely explosive batsman. 
He absolutely is, but he has refined his role a little bit in recent years, uh, and he's tended to anchor the innings a, a little bit in the par- in the last couple of years, as opposed to that 171-80 strike rate player that we know and love. Uh, now, look, not as probably brilliant for strike rate bonuses, but it does make his scoring a lot safer. He was great last tournament. Linny, is he someone you're looking to pay up for this, this round or bypassing it? What is a pretty high price? Yeah, I'm going to bypass just because I favour bowlers, but... I can see him being a massive, <clears throat> a massive pod. He's about ten percent owned, but I think a lot of that's just on name and people knowing that he's all-time big bash leading run scorer. So there'd be a lot of coaches there who might have even put a team in round one, you know, a month ago and not looked at it since. And I think, given the number of options from the strikers, he he may well go overlooked somewhat. So. I can. It could be this round's Colin Munro, dare I yeah. say it, which is, which is scary. Yeah, but I, the way I'm playing this season, uh, looking for that consistency of bowlers, which means I'm going to miss some big scores from batters and uh, happy if that happens to be the case with win this round. Yeah, I, I'm doing the same, Fish. We know there's upside there, but I'm just trying to avoid sole batters this season, just... Too, too risky, been burnt too much in the past, and I'm, I'm hoping that sort of will come around. Uh, the, the Colin Munro play backfired uh, in round one. Didn't end up going with him and killed me. Could Linny do it in round two? He absolutely could. Uh, but I'm going to avoid him again, focus on those all-rounder players that, and you know a heavier emphasis on the bowlers. Uh, one of those being Jamie Overton, $125,000. 109 career T20s for the Englishman. 70 wickets at an average of 30. Economy of 9.29, not the best, but plenty of experience. Uh, with the bat, averaging 19.74, big strike rate of 174, coming in as a late order batsman. Massive in the 100 tournament over in the UK this year. Average 40.4 at a strike rate of 182. Fish, there are question marks around him, but the role looks pretty good. The price is reasonable. Is he a bloke you're looking to bring in this week? No, I don't like the fact that I haven't seen him play Big yep. Bash at all and there's just a bit too much uncertainty around the role. Uh, I mean, the good one of the pros for him is that Harry Nilsson is in that lineup and bats eight or something, which means they effectively have to give someone some extra overs, which in the past has usually been Matt Short. But I, I can see, yeah, Overton maybe getting a a couple of overs uh, and depending how he goes, getting a few more. Even like if Matt Short plays a similar role with the ball and bowls in the power play, then he may, Matt Short may take up a majority of those overs as well. So Mm. it's just too much uncertainty around it for me. Ben Menenti at $75,000. A bloke I already own in my team. Look, there are question marks around his role and his spot in this side. I mentioned the spinning options before. Uh, once again, a massive watch ahead of team list, but a bloke I've got at the moment, he's been he's been good in domestic cricket. He's very cheap. I don't know if you're an owner yet, if he's named for game one. Is he a bloke you're locking at the price or looking to avoid? Yeah, I started with him, but I'm nervous. In hindsight, I think that wasn't the right play because he – he may not keep his, his spot with Cameron Boyce there, so probably would have been better to, to wait and see if he gets named. But I've I've got him, uh, and one of the reasons I picked him is because his domestic form 
has been really good over the last couple of years and he can definitely do it with the bat. He's had some some quick fire scores, um, half centuries plus. I'm not sure if he's turned up or anything, but he's, he's a real um, rapid strike rate type of batter. So again, with Harry Nielsen there, you'd expect him to bat above him, which just gives him that chance of batting points, making him a fun player to own as long as he plays. Mate, into the... The quick bowling ranks. Now, this is where, I mean, the whole team is, that rained out game, so frustrating. Uh, David Payne, Henry Thornton, Wes Agar, James Basley. You know, they've got Brendan Doggett in the squad as well. I, I don't exactly know which way they're going to go. You'd think probably uh, the left arm, Pommy, David Payne, will come in there as one option who looks pretty secured. Henry Thornton is a guy a bit more expensive at 161K that I am locking into my team, provided his name for that first game. We don't know what sort of rotation, who will be the picks here. Uh, of those quicks, are you looking to play any this week? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with David Payne. I see him as the safest option, yeah. given he's signed up as the international. And he also comes in at a bit of a discount on what he averaged last season. Uh, so I think he averaged maybe even 60-plus, and he's been discounted mm. down to 140K because he didn't play that many games. Uh, that was part of that Scorchers attack, which, you know, being part of that means that there's always pressures on on the batsman, which would have helped him, but I st- he's still the quality. Um, so I think I'll be happy to run with him. Rotation does worry me with the others, and or depth yeah. worries me with, with the others, uh, although... We saw what Henry Thornton did last year with his. Um, uh, there was some magnificent spell, which ended up being one of the biggest super coach scores of the season, 150 plus or something like that from memory. Yeah. So you've got that ceiling potential with him, which could be worth the risk. At the moment, I'm paying. I probably won't change, I reckon. Yeah. I like Thornton. I'm just. I'm backing Talon. I'm backing the eye test. I think he's an absolute weapon. He had some remarkable game for Australia A eh, uh, earlier this year against New Zealand A eh, and took seven for bugger all or something like that. Just a quality quick. So he's one I'm willing to just roll the dice on a little bit. Uh, mate, the other one there is James Basley. We know come down from the Brisbane Heat. Starts quite expensive at 166K. Is he uh, like of those options, if he gets both games in, we'll, we'll bat the top of those sort of options. He'll, he'll bat it above Nielsen as well. Again, a bloke with big upside. What are your thoughts? Yeah, he didn't really... Um, he didn't do as well with the bat last season. Mm. So uh, he's probably more framing to specialise as, as a bowler, maybe even a, a death bowler. So it'll be interesting to see if he's continuing to refine that skill. Adelaide signed him, so they obviously did that for a reason, and uh, he had a good he's had a good couple of seasons. So the role could be there. It's just a guess. Yeah, yeah, bit of a guessing game around him, but fired. It could pay off. So, uh, but like again, once again, if he gets named for, uh, for that first clash and say Henry Thornton doesn't, well, it could just be straight to him. So uh, a big watch yeah. on that one. Of course, we'll update, mate. Our all our trades, which are about to drop now, in the WhatsApp chat to the SC Playbook subscribers. Once that team is named and if it has any impact, let's get on to a super pod, a sub 5 to 10% player in ownership. 
that you've just had a bit of a look at and gone, oh, this bloke could figure out. Who have you come up with? Yeah, I like Zaman Khan. Mm. I think he, following that last over, really caught my eye. A couple of clean, clean bowls, some good Yorkers. Um, looks like Malinga. So something different, which a lot of batters won't have seen before. Has the round four double price. I think he's... Um, He's gone up a little bit. He started 105k. I think he might be closer to the 120k mark now. So still pretty cheap. He's a guy who, if you can jump on early and maybe one of his, maybe he'll put up a big score then for you before everyone gets on him in that round four double. So he's someone I've definitely had a look at. Uh, I'd probably have to boost to get him. So I don't know if I'll do that, but I'll, I'll have a look again even next week possibly. Yeah. No, no, rate that. The, the, Sydney Thunder, the Sydney Thunder, some genuine little uh, sneaky pot options if you want, did want to go early on them ahead of the round for double. For me, uh, look, I will preface this by saying he's not a bloke I'm going to bring into my team, and it is because of draw, but a bloke that I wanted to make note of on the podcast, and that was Corey Anderson, the big-hitting Kiwi, who turns out is a better super coach bowler than a batsman. Look, we know him as this explosive Kiwi batsman. He's been playing over in the United States, Came in at number six, I believe, for the Hurricanes. He bowled tremendously well. Two for 10 off 3.3 overs. Yeah, batting at six. He's 2.8% ownership. Uh, look, negative 26 break even, so about to make a fair bit of cash. Not one that I'm going to be getting in just because of the poor Hurricanes super coach draw, but a bloke who, you know, we could be having some big conversations about uh, at the back end of this tournament. Fish, let's get stuck into your trade and skipper plans ahead of Supercoach Round 2. What are you looking at at the moment? Yep, so I'm looking at uh, Nessa and Hardy out for a couple of strikers, so Matt Short and David Payne. Um, Already on Menenti and Darcy Short, so that would leave me with four strikers, hopefully, if they all play. Um, The last trade I'm looking at is for... Bit of cash, Jen, and that round three double, looking at going Spencer Johnson to Fraser McGurk. Mm. Um, probably leaning that way over Swepson at the moment. It also just helps my structure a little bit. I've stacked my bowlers, so it uh, means that I can get an all-rounder down the, the bowler spot for a bit of flexibility. And captains, I, I'm pretty well off for emergency loops. I can emergency loop a player in wicketkeeper batting and bowling position this week. So that does open the door slightly for a VC match short, but I really see the only scenario where I would um, not take his VC would be if he got injured or something in in that first game. So maybe, or I might just chuck the straight C on him if I don't want to <laughs> bugger around with, with all those loops. Yep, yep. Mate, I'm trying to... Uh similar enough uh, because our teams are set up relatively similar. And I'm looking at Nisa, Hardy and Johnson out, Matty Short, Fraser McGurk in, Henry Thornton at this stage. We'll have a bit of a look at Overton. Uh, There are the queries though, as you said, mate, we haven't seen him down under, but something to look at. James Basley potentially, but he's a bit expensive for a bloke who there'll be no guarantee to as to whether or not he plays both games. I'm really considering boosting this week and using one of the two boosts. 
as you said, I've sort of said all preseason. I think the aggressive approach is the way to go this year with the shorter season. It's going to come and go very, very quickly. Some decent cash gen around, uh, especially after a slow start. I sort of need to be a little bit aggressive. So I, I'm really considering maybe using a boost to get in the fourth player as well. Uh, also well set up for for looping in every position this week, actually, as it stands. So thinking of VC, Matty Short, like yourself, mate, to not use the loop, he'd have to go really like sub-20 or something, in which case I'd look at going Tommy Curran uh, for his one-off game, but I'd be very surprised if it wasn't going to be on Matt Short. What do you reckon, Fish? Yeah, I was just going to say, just having looked at my team again, I will do a, a VC more than likely. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, sometimes it makes sense to whack the, the straight C on if you're uncertain about your emergency loops, but I'm pretty well set up for those. I mean, yeah. the, the other thing is maybe Matt Short doesn't bowl and, yep. yeah, it makes it an easy nick off early and then all of a sudden you've got an opportunity for a pod captain. So it's, it's probably worth doing. That's it. If he doesn't roll the arm over and, yeah, scores seven or eight runs, it'll be a massive opportunity because uh, everyone else will be will be on Matty Short. So uh, a very, very fair play there. Now, guys, if you were watching that Heat versus the Thunder game the other night, the pregame, uh, you got the win there. It was going to be a real flat deck down at Monica, so you loaded up a few bets. You went both sides, scored 200-plus runs for either team. I had that exact bet. I think we went both fell about 50 short, about 30 to 1. Great punting there. Um, you got, then got even a bit more excited. You went Colin Munro, top run scorer, multied into Ollie Davies. You hedged it. Just in case it didn't eventuate, you went Dan Sams to take a few wickets into Nisa, into, into having a field day and getting four wickets into two and a half overs crowd catches. Well, you might have a bit of a punting problem and you might need to, to reach out and do a little something about it. If you think you might be in this boat a little bit, don't wait three months. Don't wait six months of hearing me chat about Gareth and his wonderful team at Sequel. Reach out to them today. Plenty of Super, uh, SC Playbook listeners have reached out in the past uh, and they've stressed that they wish they hadn't waited months to do it and wanted to do it a lot far, far sooner. Um, but couldn't sort of get that courage to do it. But guys, it's completely free of charge. Completely confidential, cannot stress that enough. So take that first brave step and get in contact with the team in a move you will not regret. To do that, you can email them at gareth.w at sequel.org.au, sequel, C-E-C-A-L. You can give them a buzz, no matter where you are, on 02-9559-4013. Just have a chat to them over the phone. Uh, you can also direct message them on Instagram at Gambling. Uh, try that out today. Now, Fish, before we wrap it up, a few listener questions to get stuck into. First one from Braden Dunstan. What's the ideal number of strikers players to own this week? Now, look, there's never a right or wrong answer around this sort of question, but I suppose we can just chat about what we're thinking of for our team and how many we're looking to run. Uh, it obviously will be impacted on whether or not you started with them uh, on your bench in round one. How many are you looking at and what do you think the number is? Yeah, I'm looking at four, which... I'm not expecting to be, uh, you know, maybe that's around average or par. I There's maybe other teams I, I want to target. I mean, I think there's a good pace quartet there who you could definitely give some thought to. But, yeah, this is, even though I'm not ranked that highly, I'm, I'm almost happy to just wait for a better round of target where maybe there's a couple of teams on doubles or those sorts of things. Yeah, I'm sitting on four as well at the moment. I'd be a little more tempted if we knew 
had a bit more assurance on around what the squad might be for both games, but uh, there are a few question marks. I don't really want to be overly invested in them. The reality is that you know you look at a side like the the Renegades who have the double next week. Fraser McGurk, Southern, both players about to make money and, and look really solid buys this week. You still get them on the double next week if you do want to target a side like the Renegades. So. I think four is plenty enough for me. You could maybe go five, but I think four could be, be the sweet spot there. Yeah, and then you've got to think about the bye next week as well. So yep. if you've got a couple of heat players, both strikers and heater on the bye, there's two ways you can think about that. You want to be looking at your emergency loops for next week. So ideally, it, assuming you're not feeling a full team of double players, can you use those heat and strikers players uh, to create emergency loops in as many positions as possible. Yeah. Be, yeah. Do your numbers. Check out how many you'll have next week after your three trades because it could be a lot getting caught short next week. That's before injuries happen, restings, all sorts of things. So uh, be very careful there. Second question from Kyle Lomas. Who is more important, the big chief destroyer, Will Sutherland, or Tanvir Sanger? If you had to pick one, who and why? Uh, one thing I did get right last week, I did start Tanvi on my bench. Uh, went bonkers, 94 points. He now has a negative 35 break even at just 130, sorry, 103K. So he made 19 grand. Fish, look, the, the Thunder have the double in round four. If we're looking year round, who scores more this year? You're probably looking at Will Sutherland. But at 80K cheaper, you know, we're all pretty heavy on Renegades as it is. I'd be pretty happy to go Sanger over Sutherland due to the price difference. Uh, yeah, which way would you go? Yeah, I am Sutherland. I think mm. Sutherland's also got a minus 18 break even, although, yeah, big price difference. The risk you run there is that Sutherland could easily get out of reach for round three if you need to get to him. So you almost need to go now and... The way round three is set up, so the Stars play game one, so you're looking at a Stars player VC more than likely, and then Renegades play game two. So if one of your Stars flop, you're going to want to gauge captain. They've got a few good bowling options at least, so you could look at a, a Zampa or a Richo, but if that round one form and role continues for Sutherland, he's probably the standout captain, I think, for, yeah. from the Renegades anyway. Yeah. Yeah, look, no, no major knock either way. I, I do like with Tanvi, though, perfect looping, as I mentioned, that round four double, but plays in game one of round two and three. So a great player to sit on your bench as your auto-emergency loop. And if he goes well, happy days there. Question from Paul, and, and a pretty popular one coming across. He says, would you consider selling Munro and Bartlett, even though they're negative or they're low break-evens, to better prepare for round three, knowing that the Heat and the Strikers have the buy in round three? Now, mate, on face value, you sort of sit there and go, no, bank the cash, da-da-da. But for the reason that we just said around, you know, people getting caught short of numbers next week, uh, the big prices of both players, I can see why people are thinking about it. I'd be avoiding it if I could and trying to, to hold those players for one more round. But, you know, there are certain team situations where I get why they might have to trade them. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think it's a might have to situation um and yeah it's just unfortunate i'd if anything i'd be inclined to hold bartlett because he's a bowler so he's less chance of going low uh this round uh but yeah you may have to 
sell them both, to be honest, if, if that's how your numbers are looking. Question from C. Robbins. Uh, a bloke we've touched on a little bit, and he's a player that we're selling. That's Michael Nisa. Uh, just wants to know if he thinks Nisa is a hold. Uh, the fact that we're selling probably speaks for us, but what's the case for holding Michael Nisa, who he bowled really well in both games. We know he's got a great role for them. We've sort of spoken about tossing up between selling Curran, Hardy, Nisa. Could Nisa be the one that you hold? Yep, uh, he definitely could be, and we haven't seen him have much opportunity with the bat yet and his form with the bat this year as you touched on in pre-season has been enormous even though it hasn't been t20 format so nonetheless like he uh yeah he's looking like a genuine all-rounder in all forms to me it's just that he hasn't really had the opportunity up the order i think he was named a bat seven last round and they maybe bumped bartlett up to See if he could uh, increase the the run rate a little bit. Might have been a bit of right hand left hand combination stuff there. Not not really sure. Um, yeah, he'd have the renegades this week, so that's the renegades look pretty stacked this season as we've seen. And De Cock's on board now, so he's probably of the three in a similar price range: Hardy, Nesser, and Karen. I'd almost be inclined to sell him Nessa first. Yeah, yeah. I can see the appeal, but at his price, the draw just doesn't line up well for him. They play in game three of this round. So, look, with his all-rounder role, he's one of the best and one of the safest players in the game. But you're not really going to get that auto-emergency loophole usage out of him. So you are rolling the dice slightly on the single game week. Uh, and then just the round three buy. We've, we've touched on it a bunch of times, but... You know, a player like Hardy or Curran, who you can have locked in to play for you in round three, is going to be invaluable compared to someone like Nessa, who, you know, maybe you'd hold him for one more week, but you'd still have to get rid of him for round three, you'd think. So I think he is a sell. Fish, that might just about wrap it up for us. Anything else to add? No, all good, mate. I mean, uh, on the Heat players, I was just thinking a couple of things. Uh, So, yeah. Keep in mind, as we all do our forward planning with trades and stuff like that, you can plan to trade out Nessa next week, but things change really quickly in Big Bash Supercoach. Like there's always, you know, some international call up, um, those kinds of things. So as soon as that happens, you can you can easily get caught out. Uh, yeah, and on the selling heat players, Munro is a really tricky one. Um, as we were talking about with Bartlett and Munro, if you can put Munro on your emergency, then I'd be a little more and feel a bit better about holding him. But, yeah, you're still going to have to weigh up um, what your team's going to look like moving forward. Yeah, a shame for for all the Heat players and and Munro being the big one that they're not playing game one or game two of the round because they'd be perfect to hold, put them on the A loop and use them there. But Munro is a bloke who you might have to play in your team, playing in game three. It's risky. It's risky. So anyway, we'll leave that in your hands. As a non-Munro owner, I don't care and stuff him. Mate, we will wrap that up for the round two SC Playbook BBL Supercoach podcast. Uh, A really fantastic uh, season debut for you. Thanks, mate. Happy to uh, be on board and uphold the lofty standards of the back-to-back BBL champion and the Cricket Almanac and the Spy, of course. (laughs) 
mate, there's some. Uh, it's a strong team we've got together this year. I just wish. I mean, they didn't do me much favors. I'm my worst start to a Supercoach BBL and since it started. So all that wisdom come in on board, and I've absolutely shit the bed. Anyway, we'll come back. We'll come good in round two, guys. If you do appreciate the podcast, the time and effort that goes into it, simple ask uh, from myself. Jump on and give us a follow on our social media channels. If you're just wrapping up the podcast now, just shoot on wherever you have your pages, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, and follow SC Playbook Cricket. Uh, For now, though, that'll do us. Cheers, and thanks for tuning in.